0: there everybody welcome to the day dreamcast i am bro and here with me is cal murph couldn't make it um he has got some stuff going on but uh we wish him well he'll be back soon
1: uh cal how have you been i'm fine yeah i'm glad to be here Um, glad to cover for murph this time and uh we have a colorful array uh, a shaded array of topics to cover i'm very excited
0: i'm actually like i i love cell shading me too. i think i think that's awesome Um, I love, I love specific art styles and all that. Well, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves here. We're going to start with, uh, Chained Echoes. Are you familiar with Chained Echoes at all?
1: Not at all. I know it's a, it's labeled a JRPG. That's as much as I know. It looks fine.
0: Okay. Well, well, first of all, this is now we've, there's been discourse brought up about, uh, labeling, Mm -hmm. um, of, uh, how appropriate, uh, japanese rpgs are to the label uh how familiar are you with this discourse
1: i've read some of the discourse and like i get on the nintendo site it says this is a jrpg i don't know what the discourse is saying about that or if it uh uh, it
0: it has nothing to do with chain echoes uh not specifically to refer to it what happened was the director of final fantasy 16 had in this is we're we're now just talking about news in general mm-hmm. i guess uh the director of final fantasy 16 said in an interview that he felt that um the label the uh, japanese rpgs are sort of limiting to the genre and what he what he is trying to accomplish and I, this is a sentiment echoed okay we'll, we'll be fine i accidentally cl- clicked a button uh i'll figure that out later <laughs> um but Brendan, previously on the podcast, had went on an extensive conversation about how he thinks JRPG, short for Japanese RPG, is inappropriate, if not borderline racist, depending on who's talking. I mean, he doesn't think if you use it, period, yeah. you're racist. It's more just like one of those, like, we grew up yeah, yeah. in a different, like, situation and, like, discourse around gaming has radically changed and we're beyond calling it that instead there's more accurate labels
1: i don't know how you feel about that so much of like gaming culture comes from like these enthusiast magazines who very loosely had a string of ethics uh we we laugh when we talk about video game ethics but uh, i i did read brandon's discourse and i think like his response is probably you know essentially my response we don't have much regionality when we talk about like the platformer uh uh, maybe somewhat in the shooter. It's it's viewed uh, in a derogatory American way, possibly. Uh, yeah, during that same time period, the shooter was very, uh, oh, that's the Americans, you know, like uh, games that won't be sold in Germany. And just like, uh, this is a, a very Americanized, fetishized thing, like these Call of Duties, which is true. Uh, uh, but I don't think it's a good idea to just separate it, just JRPG, you know, CRPG was the... Uh, other definition why i think people started calling them jrpgs to separate it from the games being developed on computers yeah. and uh, i think Brendan had good definitions of like what was streamlined about the jrpgs and what uh, was flattened out uh when uh, rpgs just became more prominent and marketable in a mainstream Absolutely Western and to way.
0: also address it like to talk about games journalism real quick there's also been like stuff of like x have you seen the x play clips do you remember it <laughs> hey there guys brogan from the editing room here i wanted to pin something really quick about this conversation because i yeah i messed up while recording and clicked a button um so we jumped around the topic a little bit more than i wanted to for like just two big claims i want to talk about i think the x-play clips are super racist not just kind of racist or like I do think they are part of the time, but it's part of the time in like a harmful, toxic way, like the state of uh, games journalism, but also like general entertainment. Like it felt very talk radio. It felt very uh, early 2000s Howard Stern or late 90s Howard Stern or like whatever you saw on Spike TV at the time. So like in my head, there's like no excuse. Um, at the very least is there's no excuse for doubling down on it now, which Adam Sessler did. He was like, oh, I don't regret anything we've done. It's like, okay, well, you know, you're not even like going, hey man, I fucked up the, 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 you know, we, we fucked up. We, we, we understand the issues now, which is, I think the reasonable take to have. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was that not only did Brendan think about those like those outdated terms, but he also did think there were toxic actors actively using the JRPG label. Um, the outdated term and like, era thing is like a frame of reference for good faith understanding. Like, I don't think Cal is in a bad place when he refers to it as that. That's not where Brendan was coming from, but there are absolutely bad actors that push a negative view on RPGs because they are from Japan and separate what they don't like into that bubble. And then anything from those that they do like just gets co-opted into what they eventually consider to be a normal RPG trope. Um, and I agree with that take, uh, wholeheartedly. Um, and I don't think Cal disagrees either, but it was more just like it, you know, we weren't, we just didn't say it out loud. And in editing, I was like, I should clear this up, make sure everything is crystal. So thanks everybody. Uh, on with the show.
1: No, I, I, I saw it was going around, but I, as like a avid X play avoider, uh, uh, I mean, I saw those guys at E3, like I, I ran across them at a meeting, but, uh, um, that's, that's about my full influence. I was more of a Tommy Tallarico guy. Oh, well,
0: uh, I don't so. think that panned out either. I think, I think. Oh, shit, the... did something happen? <laughs> no comments, no comments, man. Um, but no, the, the X-Play thing also goes into like, you know, when people call Japanese culture weird or like, like, you know, when people would talk about Katamari Damacy and be like, oh, that's a mm-hmm. weird game in like a very Japanesey way. And it's like, oh, this yeah. is this is low key a little bit racist or insensitive. You know what I mean? Instead of taking it as is or understanding the intentions the developer had.
1: Anyways I was so I was so into like Japanese games and things as a kid and I just remember being, you know, six, seven years old and not really having an idea that this was a ugly thing like my source of info is like nintendo power and uh sega magazine at that point i forget the name but
0: we're gonna get to it because i actually think we didn't plan this but i think sega is a very Mm -hmm. like technically it started like it started as like an american in japan but like it's a very Mm -hmm. japanese identity and jet set radio is a very japanese game yeah
1: um i think so uh but but i remember like my uncle just saying like what what's that japanese game your whole and the way he said japanese just made my skin curl and that was the first time i remember having any sentiment like i i didn't know about pearl harbor or anything at that point i didn't know like an american history gears
0: in your head start turning in the back like wait one second anyway it was
1: it was like sonic the hedgehog was my first uh uh, view of that kind of that shade of racism and i was just like very frightened by it i don't know why it was very worrying to me that that this thing i loved was such a troubling thing to an uncle I, I didn't get it
0: i think i would be worried too if someone just uh became racist over sonic i don't know Hitchcock. if it was sonic but
1: yeah something like that
0: <laughs> i believe it um wow. chain decos uh, it is a turn-based rpg in the same style of the super nintendo final fantasies or chrono trigger it gives heavy chrono trigger vibes and references cool. at the start um it is like a steampunky fantasy type thing there's like there's like steampunk mechs to it and there's a cool party to it um what's nice is in number one i think the party members are really well done and the story is well paced to where you get great snippets of who the characters are and how they function in different ways and then when they are all together it blends and then the combat um has those aspects but then it also has this thing called the overdrive system in which um certain uh attacks or moves are encouraged and you have to like basically delicately balance a bar to where if you keep doing certain attacks the bar will go up and if it goes into the green it like does extra damage and you get cool shit. but if you keep doing it it goes into the red and you take like double damage Mm. and a bunch of things you don't want so then it's a juggling act where you're like oh i gotta keep it down a little bit i gotta do this and that and then like um switching party members on the fly is encouraged in the game to help balance the overdrive and so you find yourself looking at that overdrive gauge and like measuring what the best course of action is and it makes it feel very dynamic um even though it's turn-based
1: uh i thought it was really i think like that's where the divide began for me because i'm a final fantasy one through six guy and a corona trigger guy and i was like a uh once these things became atb systems or active time battles i was like well i i you know i like the relaxed space of a jrpg that's like a a different mode than i'm in when i'm uh, playing a more involved game but if it's turn-based and has those systems that sounds neat
0: yeah it's it's a way to just engage with um the things because like sometimes there will be you know how there's some moves that you'll never use Mm. um typically with a character uh, you might want to use them because of your gauge. You know what yeah. I mean? it's it's like that where it'll be automated in smart ways. Um, that's always impressive. and like it's not random battle. they're they're always on like the overworld mm-hmm. map. And when you enter them, they're they're clearly very uh um obvious engagements that are really well built. And um also the difficulty is well sculpted. a, a while back, a couple episodes ago, um i don't know what episode it was i think it was the eco episode (laughs) i talked about the outbound ghost where it was a paper mario like and in that game you have a laundry list you have like 500 options for how to customize your difficulty Mm. and it was overwhelming here the difficulty customization is a lot more streamlined um it's a lot more simpler and you don't have to like it's it's not like a huge pool that's like super you know uh overwhelming um and super customizable you just deal with what you're given and it's good a thumbs up all around i i loved the game
1: i've also been playing a role-playing game from japan should i uh segue into mine do
0: you do you want to do persona 4 first we can do
1: that i've been playing persona 4 golden on game pass uh the system it was originally released for uh no uh i, I feel like it's odd to play it on xbox it doesn't feel like a, a game that was like made for a microsoft system i, I do think games have identities and personas um, that are like tied to like the platforms they have <laughs> yeah. a home um, it feels like a playstation game of a certain era to me is what i'm saying that that pre-exists almost uh, aside the history of xbox but uh, uh just because it comes from that time and it's developed so specifically and with such systems that are i think integrated mostly into playstation games of that time
0: um oh yeah no, I I totally I okay. see where you're coming from. Where it feels like a PlayStation <laughs> yes, Two RPG, yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh,
1: something between like a Dreamcast, you know, like a you know, Dreamcast or PS Two RPG, which is kind of like my uh, zone of tolerance. Like I say, I'm not going to get into like an active time battle system, but uh, something like this I think really works for me. Um, I'm not far enough to really speak to like a game that's so spoken about on the internet. I'm afraid to like uh, say something. Um, dumb about a game that uh has so much intelligent conversation about it already i know atlas <laughs> fans are so rabid and like engaged in the conversations around their games and i don't want to uh uh shamefully like misdescribe something um uh, I w- i'm pretty sure this is david's favorite is persona okay. we don't want to upset yeah we David. would not
0: we would, we would we would never no. upset <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> um but you liked it you're generally yeah, liking it's, so it, far it's right? my
1: favorite it's... dating sim i've played
0: um it, you know it's so weird how much it balances um those visual novel segments with the dungeon crawling um i personally like more dungeon mm. crawling in my stuff but like the nice thing about persona 4 is its setting oh you yeah. know what i mean it's that small town serial killer twin peaks vibe but also you know I, as
1: i've been reading these uh the ring novels for our for our other podcasts about a uh, horror movie book adaptations i've realized that it also has that kind of psychic projection into um technology and like a fear of technology lens through like a japanese overdevelopment of like technological centers or something uh but but also like put down like yeah. into a small town and uh really um as you say like the size of like those components i think they work well together i haven't quite figured out all the systems i'm I'm like combining personas and not really knowing why or what they do um I'm just trying to uh, protect the daughter at all costs I, I really just want to like have like a, a forward like protective dad relationship with her and then it's like making me abandon her at home for every activity I possibly do um I have mixed feelings.
0: Wait, when you say daughter do you mean uh your wife who or the girl that's like everything's great at your girl.
1: I, I forget the names again I'm bringing a lot of girl i don't remember her name jeunes girl yeah. is i think uh more officially like the capacity she's remembered in and uh I, I think that's very charming I hope she has some other jingles or uh, other you know quirks but
0: uh <laughs> um i i like i uh I like this battle system like do you think it's hard that was my one thing is like you were like worried it was gonna get difficult have Um, you have you hit those points yet because like to me the game is like pretty much rock paper scissors i mean that that combining thing what you're doing in the velvet room is is you're combining two things and just seeing if you get um you're seeing if you get a new one or whatever you don't have to interact with those systems those are systems to ensure that you have what you need in your collection of personas
1: (laughs) uh I don't know if it if it's called a reaper or something. I, I had one of those like invincible guys like come down where I realized that. That's like, not normal. Was I'm old.
0: shocked that happened.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> I guess David says he's played through whole playthroughs where that doesn't happen and I yeah. got him on my second chance at a dungeon. Um so uh I, I was very shocked by like that, that sudden rise in difficulty that was a um not you know analogous to the rest of the game but I, I i do find that the systems are well balanced i um i'm i guess i'm fearful like in a, a rpg i i always end up being a healer even though that's not the class i want to play because i'm so afraid of my party dying that i'm i'm just like paralyzed by a fear of restarting things uh it's not oh, as oh, punishing you see, as i thought it oh would see
0: be. you'd be terrified you want to know a dark secret persona 3 you can't control your party members
1: oh shit yeah i actually i don't <laughs> want to i i want them to kind of operate on their own I'm, I'm afraid that i have too much control and i'm not focused on it um there so, you go so like i no, set them fair. to healer and they're not doing it and i'm like well then that makes me the healer um <laughs> so then i'm like dealing with a pixie when i want to be using my valkyrie which i'm really a fan of uh but then i evolved my valkyrie into like an archangel i don't know how i feel about any of that um but yeah, I'm building social links. <laughs> I'm I'm having a productive social lifestyle. It fills in a gap uh, of things, um, and I realize you,
0: you you missed high school life. You're like, oh wait,
1: I was <laughs> this just happened say that. eons
0: ago. Yeah.
1: I was just gonna say, I'm so divorced from like that period of life. But you know now, uh, you know almost half my life is out of school, and it's like uh, hard for me to kind of. <laughs> associate that with myself or or role play that again because i i try to lead a student free lifestyle which is a you know no that's fair no uh my daughter's a student (laughs) and like the only student i like engage with so
0: no i agree um all right okay um you know you know the thing we're going to go into this because this was the segue i was thinking of Mm -hmm. was um persona 4 reminded me like i i liked its setting and i liked its characters i liked that feeling of a murder mystery in a small town i think i think and especially when it's like the fragile teenagers um and i i think i want to revisit persona 4 again after i i i studied finally uh an anime called jojo's bizarre adventure Uh, a story thing yeah, this is where we're going with this in case you're curious. There is an there is a chapter 4 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure <laughs> is a lot like Persona 4, where it's a small town with a bunch of teenagers trying mm-hmm. to uncover the mystery of a serial killer. And um this this is this is all a lead in to say I am now playing JoJo's All-Star Battle R, the fighting game based on the anime.
1: Okay, I was I was pretty big into like the dreamcast jojo's bizarre adventure i guess that's like my only intro even into like these characters or what's going on there is it, it has is like it a like fighting that?
0: game legacy i didn't know yeah. about this like Capcom was like super big into these jojo fighters like i i just had no idea
1: they're cool and i like that because they have like the familiars or like the what do you call them like the shadow the stands is that right
0: you got um, it. Yeah, they are called the stands. I would have taken or personas. You could have called them personas.
1: <laughs> yes. I like that connection. Um I like the hyper stylization, of course. We're talking about um something like cell shading and JoJo almost has that impression of three D two D, but not quite. It 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 you know, because of the stands and uh, something kind of projecting out of your character like a multi dimension in the fighting game. Um who do you like who's your who's your guy in Georgia
0: and this this also may say something about Jet Set Radio I love the Boston <laughs> Terrier the okay. dog Iggy um, he is he is the he is actually really awful in the game. He is dog <laughs> shit. But but I like him for the personality. It's all about the pizzazz. Um, otherwise, I play as Joseph, who is who does not have a stand, but is uh, young Joseph. In case that's not obvious. Um, but he's goofy. He's a lot. He's heavy into mix-ups. Yeah, I do play fighting games. Uh, he's heavy <laughs> into mix-ups and an unpredictable nature. He has a lot of combat options. Not necessarily amazing in other fields, but he's versatile, and I like versatility when I play a uh, fighting game character. Or at the very least, I like uh, I like options. That's that's mm-hmm. it. And I don't, you know, um, are you are you hyped for Street Fighter Six?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I'm in. I'm having my fighting game comeback with Street Fighter Five. I I was a big Street Fighter Three, uh, what was it, Third Strike guy, so. There you go, uh, and the, I like that the, era of Capcom fighters that that JoJo almost belongs to. Uh, I like the weirdness yeah, the, the, of like Tekken tech, answer that. Oh yeah, um, what else? Power Stone is a weird one. Uh, I like all yep, the odd yep. things they did. Uh,
0: they did the X Men ones, Marvel versus Capcom, They did uh, Street Fighter versus SNK. I love all that stuff, man.
1: That was a Dio it's, guy. Is isn't it Dio? Dio.
0: D. It's Dio. It's Dio, named okay. after Ronnie James Dio.
1: Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> recollect anything about the Dreamcast game. I just remember the style being good and playing through it a few times with several of the characters and like having friends. And it, w- it was just one of those weird things. Like, um, but for this one, yeah, they uh, they
0: utilize older fighting game movements. So you may be like, oh, I'm familiar with this move set, um, because uh, again, JoJo has a storied game history so they utilize a lot of and the roster is huge this is technically a 10 year old game uh brought back for um it they brought it back uh sort of but bumped it up to 60 uh, frames per second added like 15 characters and re-released it for new consoles and um yeah no it's it's fun um what i particularly like is the different era like one of the most appealing things about the anime and manga is is that each part has a different tone to it mm-hmm. and and this carries over into the styles of the the characters and what they look like and all that um super fun stuff my only issue is is like the later parts don't have like any characters. It's yeah. like all you know it's like all of them are from the ones everyone knows and then like uh-huh. the latest stuff has like three characters to it. And it's like, well, I guess that's that's the way it goes.
1: I'm reading there are 343 characters in the series, the anime or the manga combined possibly.
0: That makes sense. No, that sounds about right.
1: So a lot of room there uh, for growth. I felt like...
0: There's a a lot of choices where they... Literally, for the DLC, they just (laughs) randomly pick them. And then you're like, no, that makes sense. You know, uh, you're you're like, oh, yeah, sure. That sounds fun. Like Because all the stands have different powers. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, how do you conceive of this power in a fighting game? Even like the basic ones like Dio, whose power is, spoiler alert, to stop time. you are like, okay... (laughs) How do, you, how do you make that into a fighting game power? You right. know what I mean? Without it being broken. Mm-hmm. And so that stuff's always fun.
1: I think it just works well as a fighting game concept, something like a tag concept, but you have this other, you know, artier version of yourself that, that could project from you. That's a good idea for a fighting game.
0: There you go. Um, And again, the art style is really nice. I love it. There is one other game we want to talk about, and it also has, I think out of this list, it has the best art style.
1: I think... Uh... Going from, you know, uh, further Dreamcast concepts to like a, a game that, you know, feels almost emblematic of what we were talking about, which is like a, a Japanese stylization and, and cell shading being close to the anime, uh, Hi-Fi Rush.
0: I, for, Hi-Fi Rush feels like, it feels like a, a GameCube Xbox era game. It feels like it could go along with Jet Set Radio Future. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it is it is beautiful. Um it, it's by a great studio. Um Shinji Mikami didn't direct or anything, but he consulted on it and worked with uh the team. And it's it's what I like about it is it's a Devil May Cry action game, but it, it recognizes the rhythms and is like, let's make the rhythm the game. And mm. it's just so great.
1: It's good for, yeah, like combo linking, and it also borrows, I think, more than you might expect from, like, indie modern music, and, like, your first boss is, like, Nine Inch Nails, it kind of develops from there, and uh, you'll hear just pop music that you recognize and know about, but also the ones implemented for the game are so close to the mechanics, it all makes sense how it flows, and uh, it's just a cool stylistic expression of, yeah, rhythm, movement, uh, animation.
0: Um, i particularly enjoy my favorite part of it was the uh the world so basically um whenever whenever you hit on beat to the song uh you do extra damage and you always technically the animation always connects on beat mm-hmm. um so so visually even me who is really bad at rhythm visually i know when to hit it I don't even need the metronome. I just know when to hit because of that combat rhythm. But then also that world design, all of the world little bits, the gears that turn, the pistons that fire, are all based on the rhythm of the song playing. And to me, that is so immersive that I was able to connect with the game in a really positive way.
1: It almost has just like one of those like so inherently satisfying like old video gamey concepts, which is just like... He gets, like, an iPod, like, locked in his chest, just, like, through mechanical, you know, like, steampunk ideas. It's just like, oh, like, this is a part of him, and, and the movement, you know, makes sense now. There's a game reason for it.
0: And you're also against a big, uh your big corporation. You feel like <laughs> a rebel. You feel like a rock star. That's that's sort of the vibes you get. And you also, again, that feels very
1: jet-set radio. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, anti-authority and anti corporation also a video game you know from Microsoft Studios uh interesting um I think uh yeah. Shinji Mikami also just left as soon as this game had come out and done pretty well for a couple of months and reviews you know yeah I don't know he's if he's retiring
0: or what I I, I hope he uh, takes a long rest
1: either I wonder long rest or like a return to capcom to have like a guy at Capcom who's actually like developing you know Something like it was with platinum. They, you know, they don't really develop things like that anymore. But maybe I, they. Need I think that that's guy. wishful thinking. I yeah, think people probably. want that. I think we all kind of want that more than that's going to happen. Um, yeah. Uh, just like looking at like what their Resident Evils have been and stuff. But if you said like New Resident Evil by Shinji Mikami, I'd be like, holy shit! Like that's a a must play for you know whatever other reason. Um, uh, Shadow of the Damned is. One of my favorite games of of a certain there era, um, which was just like that. A tour, uh, what was it? It was like Suda and uh, Shinji Mikami, and uh, who else was on? And that? it
0: had a talking, it had a talking shotgun. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
1: gosh, yeah, uh, that, that was good. And really, like dumb dialogue, but also it was like built around like a Resident Evil Four system. So, like my ideal is that he continues to make games like Shadows of the Damn Evil Within, which is just like further takes on um those systems which is just like i i don't think like resident evil 4 was like maxed out like sometimes we get something like the last of us 2 and it's like by the time another developer could develop the system on top of that like the inspiration of that game uh that those things will be outmoded so i kind of wish like we could go back to the past and keep developing things based on like uh old system developments i think that would be really interesting um uh Shit, i don't know like it, yeah i, I guess wishful we'll, wishful we'll think we would be like oh he joined platinum or capcom but yeah just go take a rest right
0: yeah um but he still makes the bangers that's the secret he's got like the scorsese <laughs> in him where he's like no i can still i still know what i'm doing like every time it's like oh no he's he's because <laughs> i love evil within evil within is great um and he didn't work as much on evil with Two, too but you're mm-hmm. right it, it's like there was a lot of elaboration on a fucking genre resident evil 4 like resident evil helped make a genre resident evil 4 helped make a genre this this dude is just cranking them out you know what i'm saying yeah. it's crazy
1: and i feel like once uh, resident evil split from that i feel like it needs to go back it's kind of gone back to some of those like dynamics of resident evil 2 a remake uh, that kind of thing but uh resident evil 4 is like a whole nother system that i find very interesting still
0: well i mean i think they also not to get into resident evil too much but Mm -hmm. i think five and six was like not not (laughs) where they wanted to go to say the least anyways are you ready for the variety minute
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh we talked about some hyper stylized games. I've always felt cell shading was uh like the most style you could put into a game. Like it's an inherent style again, like um because you're representing something not quite as it is, but a three D like rendered into like two D uh looking spaces and backgrounds. Uh starting with like blocks of color and then shading them out and then, you know, kinda like looping them in and uh, it's kind of like an illusion that that looks really good.
0: Yeah, and and you know it's so it's so difficult because like I think games were figuring this out before film CGI was like the film 3D models where there's like multiple ways you could go for 3D models, which is like texture work or other things, but like cell shading is a really smart way to stylize your 3D in a way that doesn't make it age. Um, And there's different styles here. When I wrote down a list and looked at them, I was like, oh, these aren't like a singular cell shading style. They have different things regarding line work, for Mm -hmm. instance. Like even Wind Waker versus the HD (laughs) Wind Waker. Those are completely different uh, looks.
1: The problem is it's very hard to extract that style because it's almost... um, As you say, it's almost ageless. And if you pull it out and make it 3D, they just become larger blocks of color i mean you can't like go in and and like raise the resolution really because like low resolution blocks and textures is kind of the point of it it's it's hard so you almost have to go with the new aesthetic like that's almost the challenge of jet set almost ever getting anything else to it it's like where where do you go um uh, we just talked about one that was like very colorful and like some of the like the most profound like modern looking Cell shading i've seen um mm-hmm. but i don't know like what you develop out of jet set that would make it better um i think if you added more it would you just lose something
0: yeah yeah um uh beautiful joe was another one uh capcom yeah. did a lot of these clover in particular did a lot of these yeah, okami um, is good. yeah okami just fucking slaps dog it is so good um there's killer seven uh do you remember 13 yeah do you Um,
1: remember uh, auto modelista that That was a capcom racing game that was cel-shaded that i was a big fan of and nobody else played Uh. well
0: well, we got ourselves an obscure deep cut thank you so much for that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's that's what you're here for um there's also stuff like mad world do you remember mad world
1: yeah that was strange that was strange that that happened
0: um Um, i i I loved its style you know it goes into like um and that and that just showcases what you're able to do because mad world had heavy violence heavy gore and it was black and white but it was just a it's a completely different style than say 13 or mm -hmm. killer seven um but i i kind of dislike it when it's (laughs) a little bit more like slapped on like i don't like it in borderlands i don't either i was um, just gonna
1: say yeah, uh, or
0: uh, telltale stuff. Like oh, I don't no. mind telltale's. Work, I was going to say
1: like, the Wolf Among Us is a style I actually like. Uh,
0: it depends. Like I didn't let What well, I was really thinking of like Walking Dead. Okay, where I, I am, feel like, like that's
1: hey. only like halfway there. I I feel like the Wolf Among Us might be a stronger example of like an actual cell shade look that looks more like the comics. Uh, like the Walking Absolutely. Dead still. It looks way like the TV show. I think is like the the compromise. Like I don't think it looks totally colorful or or interesting
0: uh i think color color is an important aspect to consider when you do these styles you know what i mean
1: would you say like a sly cooper is kind of
0: yeah no sly cooper definitely has these systems and it's interesting because sly cooper four sort of removed the cell shading to be more high def you know we you just see a more general focus and i think it misses out on so much by removing the cell shading um uh, Dragon Ball Z Budokai was like one of the first fighting games I ever played, <laughs> and nowadays we got like the Arc Systems games. We got Guilty Gear. We got fucking Dragon Ball Fighter Z, where these are highly stylized and focused, and they they have like weird. Uh, they know that the cameras at a sp- at specific angles so then they build the models to the camera angles mm-hmm. that's like fascinating to me
1: it's so interesting to me that we were talk we began this podcast about like a regionality of style and then we got to cell shading and the two examples we didn't like are the only non-japanese examples that we named <laughs> like there's a there's a specific like regionality maybe to uh, something about the way it plays into anime and uh this was like first developed as an anime style so maybe more popularized in Japan like our cartoons did not look like uh cel shaded games look uh right like in there um, there
0: yeah yeah there's even like there's even times where you'll see them uh incorporate like uh you remember Nino Kuni mm-hmm. uh that's yeah. the uh that's the turn based RPG Level five, uh on the yeah. on the yeah PlayStation 3 uh Studio Ghibli uh or Ghibli whatever um mm-hmm. they they helped work on it and like you could see like it feels like a fucking hayao miyazaki movie that, when you're playing it and that feels great that's I like wow well
1: yeah i can't think of like an amazing american example of a cel-shaded game by uh, cell damage uh, slide uh, cooper uh, is <laughs> technically
0: american okay, but it's yeah, not yeah. it's cooper. not that's it's nice. not amazing it's not like a whoosh, whoosh, you know
1: I picture that almost being like a Sony thing. Maybe I thought it was, yeah, more on the Japanese side. But yeah, that's notably,
0: true. notably, Sly Cooper does have like extended work because it is a Sony product. Um, it does have extensive work in Japan. Like mm-hmm. they they do like alternate intros and stuff for uh, promotion there. Um, yeah, you know, I just love it because it gives a game identity, and that's what's so important about any game. You know what I mean?
1: Do you find it hard to follow in a system like 13 or say like automodalistic where it's like a fast-moving environment or um, you almost have to like frame the environment differently in Borderlands to like make it readable? Um, Even in Jet Set, it's almost hard to read sometimes because everything's flattened and then when it has too much detail around things, it's like a lot of outlines at once or...
0: Uh, well, okay, if we're if we're gonna talk about difficulty reading, <laughs> um, let's we can get into the game of the week if you want.
1: Sure. Uh, my favorite video game of all time.
0: Okay, wait, I, got I gotta it. do the intro. Jetset
1: Radio.
0: All right, this
1: the
0: game of the week this week is Jet Set Radio. Jet Set Radio is a 2000 game for the Dreamcast. Wait one second, Cal. We don't do Dreamcast games here.
1: Is this the first?
0: Technically, I looked it up. Technically, Dino Crisis had a, a Dreamcast <laughs> okay. version. Yeah, it wasn't but, mentioned. But we played the PS1 version of that. Um, Jet Set Radio is technically, and I would consider it, the first Dreamcast game. And also Panzer Dragoon was a Sega Saturn game. So.
1: Okay, yeah, true. And then, the, oh, yeah, That's my it. favorite video game. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, But the development team, Smilebit, was a Sega studio formerly of developers who made panzer dragoon um Mm -hmm. the player controls a gang called the ggs who go around tokyo on their inline skates spraying graffiti everywhere the gameplay consists of a tony hawks pro skater-esque like skating system on rollerblades um where you can do tricks in the air and you also have the ability to tag graffiti your main goal in missions is uh most of the time to tag graffiti on different uh public property um, vandalism is good here at the day trip cast. Is that legal? Am I allowed to say um, that?
1: I think we need the censor the from the game. Graffiti is art. However, graffiti <laughs> is an act of vandalism, is a crime. Every state province has vandalism laws that apply to graffiti, <laughs> and local entities such as cities and counties have anti-graffiti ordinances. Violation of these laws could result in a fine, probation, or jail sentence. Sega does not condone the real life act of vandalism in any form. Shame, because it's probably inspired so much graffiti. Uh, Boo. I, I love I'm, graffiti. I'm pro
0: vandalizing. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, when you do it, Um, In those missions, you'll be chased around by a police force bent on escalating violence. Wonder where we've seen that before. (laughs) Um, Perhaps you'll have other types of missions, such as tagging rival gang members or getting new members of your team by racing them or mimicking their moves uh, in their own missions. Uh, Eventually, you'll move on from rival gangs to the real enemy of art. Big business. Cal, what did you think of the game?
1: Oh, it's all right. Um, I've been like... uh... Thinking about it for you know the last what twenty something years, uh, just uh, I I've written several reviews about it for websites and uh, I love that it's so anti-establishment. It's like the one game where like my imagination was like on fire. Like I I sat down to play it and just like my whole world view like shifted and my view of art and what I saw in the world shifted. What I saw of graffiti and the purpose of graffiti and what it's saying and what it's representing and what it's against and that it's always. Uh, put up as like you know uh, almost a dangerous task to commit to a form of art but uh, something about art being like outside the lines and um, already being a massive Sega fan and then finding this is like you know one of my first Dreamcast games that really made a big impact on me but also I think the one that's aged the best that I'd probably go back and play today. Um, Also uh, my favorite score or soundtrack of all time like I can't get around I can't get around uh Hideki uh what's his name? Naga Numa's uh, Twitter use. Uh he's been very creepy <laughs> on Twitter. But you, uh
0: you can find him on Twitter thirst trapping and memeing yeah. He's 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 a funny guy. Um but the, no the soundtrack slaps. It's uh, like it's so good.
1: I had never heard like an electronica use like that in video games and you go from that to like a few licensed songs that are kind of randomly placed and kinda funny in the game, but uh uh, just like the whole pace of it and me being always like a, a hockey and rollerblading guy of course and that being like so close to my life and my interests and you know uh, you know got my sister into rollerblading, and then she like did competitive skating and I was always into uh like aggressive inline kind of skating and uh you know not very good at that part myself but good at the hockey part and interested in that and uh, just like the movement and flow and the, like the vitality of like what skating feels like when you're like really moving and and how that like is so enraptured by like the uh, animation style and the movement and the large block colors. I, I just find it so exhilarating still.
0: I think the presentation of this game is immaculate. I I have a claim here, and I want yeah. to see if you agree. This this You would be the person to ask. Okay. Do you think Jet Set Radio is the most Sega game?
1: I think it's the most Sega game ever made. I also have long have it, had a theory that it's the best development of a sonic the hedgehog style like sonic being like a movement through um verticality and leveled spaces and finding new spaces and levels but also like grinding through rails and uh like also sega ethos of like what attitude could be from sonic developed into like a posture of what attitude was becoming in the 2000s um absolutely i, I honestly believe it's like the best sonic game um, uh, because i don't yeah with the, with the punk um, elements to it yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely Uh, not like literal sonic but in the way that like what i wanted sonic to become because it's so much better than like sonic adventure and adventure 2 and um uh, it, it just has also its own like ethos and like it, uh art statement to it that i think is just so much about what sega was going for at the moment um yeah. just like that anti-market kind of just like it, this is like the last go so let's fucking go you know uh yeah that was so exciting to me at the moment and i felt like it was lawless and it was like unafraid to try things that weren't being done on the playstation or the especially not the nintendo um they seemed so far away from this until they made wind waker. Uh, this seemed like a yeah. whole other world of video games to me than what Nintendo is doing.
0: Oh yeah. 100%. And like how much cult- counterculture there is to this. There was even like, I, I'm pretty sure there was like a graffiti, uh, press event they did in like <laughs> California or something where they got like a bunch of permits and then like local politicians were trying to block it, but they couldn't cause it was legally done. Yeah, just cool. It's just beautiful. Um, I gotta say, I, I'm I'm gonna get a, the one complaint out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you were right earlier. the The way the cell shading is kind of fucks with space.
1: It's and yeah. it's
0: it's it's only noticeable. It's not noticeable when you're riding and like w- running. That is a fantastic uh, momentum. It's when you're jumping. <laughs> when you're jumping, you really can't tell where you're gonna land.
1: I think movement and accelerationism through this space makes it hard to gauge like what, like, what, like what's landable and also where the screen is going to go and how the screen could possibly frame a movement up or down when the backgrounds yeah. and your character are both colors of blocks and sometimes they blend into each other and the harsh outlines aren't necessarily like, this is where you're going. I think it's a very hard problem to solve. Um, yeah. I- as I was getting uh, in high school in my senior year, I was like, okay, Nintendo's like, okay, so uh, this is our game testing interview. You you, you pretty much had the job. Now you just need to give us your criticisms of your favorite game. And I was like such a Sega fanboy, perhaps. I was like, I, I'm not going to criticize the game. So of course, didn't get the job. Um, but, <laughs> so I've been living it through my whole life of like, I could have worked at Nintendo for a little bit. Maybe I should find something to criticize about Jet Set Radio.
0: Uh, yeah. you're like i don't want to
1: they offered me the job and i said i wouldn't do it like i wouldn't like criticize the one <laughs> game that they wanted me to like still like a high school idiot just like, no I, no I, but that's
0: the most jet set radio thing you could do a, a big company asked you to compromise of what yeah. you believe in and you said no that's punk rock that's the way that's what it's all about
1: they asked me to change like the systems of the games to make it a different game and i said i wouldn't and they said, well, that's what your job would be. And I said, well, I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, so that's, <laughs> you know, 17 year old Calvin losing an opportunity to work at Nintendo for a little bit at their American Damn. headquarters, which would have been fine and possibly Devastate. given me opportunities. Um, so that that's sad. But I was already in like games writing and writing about games and giving, you know, they could have read 500 essays about what I thought about how to deconstruct video games. But. Um that's fine. If it were Sega they would have hired me. That's what I know about uh that's the truth. That's that's my truth.
0: Check. <laughs> I, I think even now you're coping with not getting hired at Nintendo. <laughs> That's why I saw that. That's why I... Yeah, this is a therapy session, man. Are you okay? Yeah, I could be um, an
1: uncle that works at Nintendo right now. But, yeah,
0: you um, could have been. Um, you could have been our source on the inside. Anyways, let's talk about just The game is horrible
1: stuff. to play, isn't it? Like, it, it feels, like, like, really junky and... Like a, like there's like an odd like weightlessness like when the characters move up and down like in the environment it feels pretty bad but but then you're like on a rail and like suddenly your character's doing like uncontrollable things that you didn't exactly input and it feels like what tony hawk could have been if it were you know more um authentically stylized and interesting
0: <laughs> no i totally agree now yeah it's so weird because it's like the one thing I would do is make it slightly more like Tony Hawk in terms Mm -hmm. of like that sort of pacing. But even then I think Tony Hawk has its own problems here. It's, it's ultimately fine. What I like most about this level design. I like this level design more than Tony Hawk because the way the game works is it sort of funnels you into momentum sections where Mm -hmm. you know where you want to go. Admittedly, sometimes it's just big arrows telling you, Hey, go this way. But like, you know, what as you're going through a level tagging, you know, the police start getting more, they start seeking dogs on you. The choppers come in, or the riot squad comes in. And as you're going, they have like these little set pieces or these little moments where it's like this is the this is the level's loop. The 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 level has like a a, a road track for you to go down. Hmm. And if you know how to go down it, you're fine. The momentum's great. <laughs> for me, it's really only not nailing it. Or, um, yeah, it's it's when I don't nail it that that everything grinds to a halt, and when it grinds to a halt, it's not fun. Or, like, when you're going up a rail, and then, like, there's no momentum to continue going up, maybe the one thing to actually add is a boost mechanic that, like, Sonic games would later add. Where, um, yeah, where you would just have, like, a button real quick to give you a little burst of momentum.
1: I remember just being on, like, the AOL message boards talking about, like, how to, like, loop infinite combos in these levels. And there's, like, some really interesting ways you could play around it. Uh, so I feel like I maybe I became, like, so proficient at the game that I wouldn't have those problems until, like, you know, I think the last level is one that I kind of, like, seemed to hit a wall on in some ways. Some of the design of that, uh, you kind of, like, go through, like, these ramps and things and... There's all these helicopters around. Uh, Some of that is a little difficult to manage. But also, like, are you picking the right character? Are you in the right space for them? And that kind of thing kind of matters as well. But I agree, like, mm-hmm. more than Tony Hawk, it has more of, like, an arcade uh, identity where it's uh Tony Hawk, you kind of just have to keep replaying things and progress, which is a console idea. Whereas uh, Jet Set Radio, I think you could get through most stages it, it's almost more like at a coin and then you're going to progress through the game in a you know staged way um it feels more like an arcade game in some way um it, yeah like you say there's a development of like what's happening in the level and it feels like a, a complete like interaction with the, the system in a way tony hawk kind of feels like you just kind of go do whatever and maybe you do it however many times and then you'll eventually get all the things <laughs>
0: It, you know it's not just uh it's not just the art style it's literally like the character <laughs> design yeah that feels so cool i love i love the gang members and their personalities because like tony and Hawk I, I did, did
1: go cel-shaded eventually and it didn't mean anything like it did have american wasteland or whatever on the ds i like don't even the, remember the that. cel-shaded one i don't know if the console well, one what a was, failure yeah maybe that's another deep cut because i had the ds version it was cel-shaded and actually i thought pretty okay uh, but I think the console. There was, was also another validating.
0: DS game to to go back to the variety I minute mean real yeah. quick.
1: They also do you remember the Grand Theft Auto that was cel shaded yes, uh, yeah, the Chinatown yeah, the Wars? Chinatown Wars? Great, yeah. Yeah. Um, have you played yeah. Jet Set Radio on the Game Boy Advance?
0: <laughs> I was I was gonna ask you that today. Um, I saw a video of it playing. It it seems to me it, this is it's actually by the people who made mm-hmm. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater for the Game Boy Advance. Which to I love me that it. It looks like the best the best you could possibly do to make a jet set radio for the Game Boy Advance, mm-hmm. but that's not saying That's It's not lot. that great,
1: yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you have to abandon a lot to go isometric. And whereas uh, yeah. Tony Hawk benefits a lot, I think, from going isometric. Jet set radio I think needs its like verticality and direct like behind the back. Like you the characters, like you say, are so stylized in the environments and this like technoscape of like these like Tokyo suburbs are so cool um, That you kind of just want to be in it um, You don't want to be above it
0: Oh and, and the other problem With the Game Boy Advance thing is just like There's not enough memory There's not enough memory yeah. to support a, a good song list yeah. And the GBA doesn't have a dedicated Sound chip So the one of the core aspects To the game One of the most essential things is go- Like is, is like hindered You know mm-hmm. what I mean? it's just
1: but yeah, you know
0: I, totally... I i totally get it what what do you think of jet set radio future
1: i'm i'm a big fan of it um i own the email jet set radio at hotmail so if you have any questions about this franchise uh, continuing you could send them on to me uh okay all that's right that's been my the, the... video game email for 20 years
0: That's so ridiculous. That is very strange. That is the stupidest (laughs) thing I ever heard.
1: Like the game was announced and I was like, I'm going to register an email. Let's go be mine. I was like, (laughs) I hadn't even played it. And then I got it in like that Sega GT 2002 pack. And I was like, well, you know, I I don't love it as much. I just think the the first one's just so specific to me. Um, And it wasn't actually about like the systems getting better. Like the complaints and things you have are just kind of like, Oh, that's a charming bad thing about that game that I love. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I'm like the deadly premonition guy on this podcast. So I don't, I obviously, I don't have glaring problems with like a a game being, you know, hard to interact with.
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's fair. I mean, I think, I think we're all open to a little jank. You have to, you know, jank is a fine line. And I don't think Jet Set Radio has a lot of jank. It's Mm. just got a little jank
1: yeah Um, it just has enough like in the central systems that are make it difficult
0: yeah um but you know it goes back to like i think what really helps is that level design because it's not only everything i just said about like the levels funneling momentum but Mm. it's also the mission structure the mission structure has you revisiting these levels multiple times to sort of really familiarize yourself with an area and the different districts have different like they take place at different times of day. So you have a lot of variety in visuals um, and personality in that way. So it's usually a breath of fresh air, whatever mission you're doing, even if you've played it uh, like 20 times before, you know what I mean? Um, the one thing, the other one thing, how do you feel about the um, style system or the ranking system at the end of the mission?
1: i trying to remember like exactly how I feel about that. Uh, Uh, Give me your take first.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I don't think it's bad um, because I I especially enjoy the fact that characters like your character choice influences, you know, the tricks you can do and the tricks you can do influences the score you get along with everything else. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I enjoy those systems. Um, I think some of the unlocking because you unlock some of the characters through um, through getting like the S rank or whatever you call it um i think it's called the jet rank um you get it that way and there's no like no way to repeat missions if like you're like three like if you're if you're Mm. further into the game so like in that way i don't like it but like otherwise i i think it's a really serviceable system especially for the year 2000 it's really good
1: it just needs a more open-ended like way to like go back and you know kind of retrace things and practice them and uh especially late in the game uh but besides that, like I say, I'm, when I play the game, I'm very familiar. Um, I've seen everything the game really has in it. So I don't think I have an issue with the scoring. I, I'm sure I That's do find... Fine.
0: Uh, it's, it's also like an afterthought. Like, I, I, when I play it, I don't actually care. But, like, I, I've seen people talk about it. Because it's like, those are systems. And it's interesting that score is measured in that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know it's it's fun. I also like the ability. I like the actual graffiti options you can do. Do you um, change like, yours What? I, you change I change this? mine. Yeah. yeah. I don't like. I don't do. I'm I'm guessing like I always see like that option to like make your own. I'd never do that. Mm-hmm. Is that is that like actually a thing? like because there's like an option for like a custom one or something, right? Yeah,
1: yeah I think you could change. Yeah, I've, it I've never done that. Uh well you gotta carry it around in your vmu so you can take it to your friend's house right and and show them your graffiti (laughs) and uh and go tag the local school bring your vmu with you um yeah uh, the vmu is such a cool weird concept (laughs) the last stand of memory cards uh but also personalizing them and making them part of the game and like having that bouncing little graffiti logo at the center of the game pad was very charming um and uh having a, a visual screen that that also just saved your graffiti i thought was really cool um so yeah i i did try to design some things yeah i never got really deep in like a i don't feel like it's a, a perfect system like visually for for making those things on that console so i, I didn't get deep but.
0: but but you know this this game and this game's is great i just yeah. love it because like yeah it it's the attitude. It's all about attitude. the The core is that. So any complaints anyone has, they just fall. It's like who cares? Who gives a shit?
1: <laughs> They're all systems. You know, I'm not saying si- <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I I think we look at like what makes a perfect video game. It's like, is a perfect video game one that never crashes, or is it one that's mechanically refined and accessible, or is it one that makes a statement through like its usage of art? I don't know. I think uh, the latter for
0: well, me. Well, you know, it's 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 a question that's repeated a lot. Um, I think when I looked into like Ueda, the or like the Team Eco stuff, where mm. he approaches um, where he approaches games in a design perspective, and it's not about expressiveness. I sort of understand that as a concept for how games are structured, yeah. but you can't ignore the importance of expression and art. And Jet Set Radio is all about expression and how valuable that is to the human spirit. Cause like the enemies in the game, you know, the thing I secretly love about the story is you start the game against these rival games
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and,
0: but like, they're not, they're not really that bad. Huh. And you can play as them and you know, you do other things. As you go into it, you're like, oh, clearly the police are bad guys. (laughs) Fuck the police. And then by the end of the game, you're fighting like record companies. You know what I mean? Like you're fighting a guy so obsessed with making money on this like weird record that he thinks has a demon in it. And by the end of the game, it's like, no, he just wants a lot of money. And (laughs) everyone else is just trying to get by. And the game literally tells you, it's like, hey, these gang members are just like you. And I think that's just so beautiful, man.
1: Yeah, I think like the identities of the gangs are also really fun, like the Love Shockers and the you know the uh, not Pearl Jam, Poison Jam. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> yeah. I I think they're so clever and each unique and stylized in their own ways. I like the other characters you get too. I like Combo and uh, that other gal that you get. The, is Combo the one with the? I like, like Cube. Speaker, I cube
0: say? is great.
1: What? Cube is good. Yeah, uh, but you know I I like Gum so much that I kind of stick around like beat and gum also uh because i'm just I, I i
0: usually just do beat beat is like my go-to but okay. like i like i like cube i like mew um that's the one with the blue hair right um just they're they're all good man I, it's just a good feeling and then like i love the hub when you come back <laughs> after a mission and you go into the garage and you see your gang hanging out it's kinda... dancing
1: kind of hi-fi rush too has that little you yeah. know i wish it had more style in the hub you just kind of pet the cat but uh i i like a hub like that where yeah they're just like swaying back and forth and the character select is colorful and cool um, yeah
0: and, and and then like uh and then the dj is like oh they stole your dog i'm like no not the dog anything but the dog <laughs> we uh, got to get him back
1: yeah, then Potts is my favorite character officially, who I who have used as an avatar for years. A uh, uh, big fan of Potts the dog. He's
0: uh He is hype. Um, do we have anything else to say? Um, do, you want, do you want to keep going on?
1: I feel like I could. I don't know if I especially need to. Like The the interactions and systems levels of the game are kind of awkward and maybe outmodded, but I think the rest of it will uh, actually be uh, preservable forever. I don't think there will... Uh, ever be a point where jet site radio looks bad which is more than i could say for 99 percent of the games that came out the year it did um i i'm Absolutely. you know i'm a big 2d games person and uh, early 3d i'm you know they it has its fans and stuff but like once you get to dreamcast that's really my zone and uh but but i am interested in you know bringing more of those shows to the day dreamcast if you guys will have me for you know you guys haven't really done much n64 i'm afraid to say
0: yeah we're we're picky i don't like the n64 that much
1: i don't either uh but um, I, there are games there are gems there there uh sure. jet jet force radio <laughs> jet force gemini i think it's called
0: that's yeah it's jet force gemini.
1: same video game sounding
0: you don't game. want to play space station silicon valley
1: I, I like that game yeah uh, <laughs> uh, the systems are bad once again
0: unfortunately that is a total daydreamcast game i regret to say
1: <laughs> i do like it i would be there uh there, there is stuff here, on the n64 I'm, I'm trying to think of like some outside game that would be funny to say but like there's a that's a that's a problem that's why i'm a dreamcast guys like the the games are so weird and the n64 games were so boring and i was I, w- I was so bored since the arcades went away and dreamcast is like here's one last burst of that uh here's everything you like all at once. I hope you enjoy it. It was like uh, video games were good for me for a little bit and then I kind of uh you know, had some thoughts about quitting the hobby for a long time after.
0: And look at you now.
1: Yeah, I quit for years. <laughs> now I'm back. Now I'm back You're talking back. about the same games that, uh, that I was so interested in.
0: That's what we all do. Um, mm. do you think there's a future for Jet Set Radio?
1: The Jet Set like Radio do, not future? not not
0: in not in terms of like, oh, is this going to last cuz you're right. I think I think Jet Set Radio will last forever as what it is. You know what I mean? Um I mean like do you think do you think Sega will revisit Jet Set Radio as a property?
1: I think if they do it's time. Like there was there's been like I don't know how many games the last like 5 years where I'm like that's all Jet Set Radio stuff <laughs> and and there was that game last year like the Roller Dome or something. Oh uh, yeah, that yeah. Roller
0: Dome game. Yeah. You know, it's it's so shocking cuz like i think we take for granted how influential this game is i don't Very, know if this is yeah. necessarily the, i don't know if this is necessarily the first cel shaded game it is
1: it is the first yeah
0: see that's that yeah, that alone but like all the other systems and its style and its presentation like even if this game disappeared tomorrow you can't you can't ignore the fingerprint of just right. like everything else oh it's yeah like, yeah you look at other games you're like this is jet set radio it's yeah I mean, trying it, to be jet set Radio. it
1: inspired so many of my favorite games like we talked about killer seven i'd come on for any podcast about killer seven a uh, beautiful joe another of my favorite games uh yeah that yeah. whole clover platinum <laughs> footprint we already talked about mad world and you know like that whole no more hero class of games that's kind of my yeah. favorite aesthetic that games could have uh so uh, yeah it, it continues to kind of resonate and kind of pull like uh um i i see a lot of the stylization and other things and uh um what was the uh, there was an xbox game um uh, what was it called it was a open world uh game a very colorful um do you know what that one was uh sunset overdrive was a uh, oh yeah, yeah 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 stuff like that seems no, it's fingerprints it. all over it i liked it uh and it did add a lot of the same like rail grinding and feeling to it um so you experience it even in open road games, but yeah, I I don't think they're going to bring it back, or they would right now.
0: Okay, that's fair. No, I mean, but again, like you just see so much of it, like l- rail grinding, um, like rail grinding here to me feels fully realized. Like Tony Hawk, I they, it has rail grinding in it, but in this game, it feels like what Sonic Adventure and sonic adventure 2 that's the rails like you know i mean that's the rail system it's going off of or ratchet and clank like Mm -hmm. platformers learned from jet set uh radio you know in those fundamental ways that
1: because it was so hard to bring it to 3d in a meaningful way and i i felt like you know well mario 64 is great and all but that didn't need to be the only blueprint i think this is much more interesting about what platformers could be than that game is
0: no that's totally fair um all right i think we are winding down we are at the hour mark uh cal where can we find you
1: the Twingeeks.com and on Twitter at The geeks and at Calvin Kim.
0: There you go. And you can find me at Brogan Chatten, and you can also email The Daydreamcast at Daydreamcast Inquiries. We also at Gmail.com and we also have a YouTube channel. Now this will be on the YouTube channel and I will have my own Jet Set Radio gameplay to feature oh, cool. um the next game is probably dead space the because oh. of the murph situation we had to delay dead space again but it, in the cards it's likely the next one we'll is see it what happens the new
1: one or the uh old version
0: uh the answer is both oh, uh, okay. at the very least murph played the original i played the original eridan mm-hmm. the guest for the episode played the new having played the original before okay. so we're yeah it's going to be multiple perspectives i'm interested in it i i enjoyed dead space um it goes back to like resident evil 4 <laughs> as like a an influence in the genre like to me dead space is like the ultimate like first triple a game oh this is what fucking everything can. you know what i mean this is what this is what the genre is now you know what I mean? Yeah. And that comes from Resident Evil Four. So Anyways. I didn't
1: get a brag you know. about my previous press credentials. I got a I used to get to go hang out with the Dead Space team. That's that's my one brag for the yeah. episode. Uh.
0: Uh, but it didn't matter because you didn't get the Nintendo job.
1: No. It didn't matter. <laughs> it couldn't have mattered, yeah. It would have been yeah. a different life. Yeah. We'd be here <laughs> podcasting about what like what's a what's a fucking Nintendo game? Like Legend is all the wind waker?
0: i don't want to play a nintendo game that's dumb who yeah. plays nintendo games children, i've never played a nintendo yeah. game <laughs> nintendo is for the I, children. I, I think uh i think we're i think we're playing out. i think
1: okay i need to go play nintendo with my daughter so take care